Well, um, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, we have special guests, and they're, you know, they're just, I hate to say it like this, they're just guests. And then we have the person, like the person that's going to be ministering this morning here at the Life Church that was part of the family, and I want to say extended family, and uh, so uh, retired Colonel Marilyn Madero, she was the vice wing commander at Goodfellow Air Force Base, and while she was stationed here, she was a part of our church. That's when we were over at Melrose, and, uh, and I don't know how much she's going to share. I don't want to steal, steal her thunder at all, so, but, but she has been on a journey, and I want to have her come on up, and uh, um, she, she retired and has started her own ministry, is ministering all over the world. And I am so excited to welcome home. Come on, to welcome home. <laughs> As a minister now of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and here to minister to us today, give a good welcome to Marilyn Madera. Thank you. Good morning. I can't tell you what a blessing it is for me to be back here 13 years later. Um, I'm one of uh, the Life Church's missionaries now, and so Pastor Wild asked me to share a little bit about my life since I left St. Angelo, what kind of led me into the ministry, and how I went from being a colonel into a full-time minister. But before I do that, let me open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the the name of the precious Lord Jesus. What he did for us on the cross, dear Lord, I am forever grateful. And Father God, I stand here as your faithful servant in obedience to you and pray that only your words come forth from my mouth and that your words get into the hearts, the minds, the souls of everybody here today. And we do this all for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So to say a little bit uh, more about me, um, you know, I, I'm uh, originally from Michigan. I've stayed a Michigan resident uh, for many, many years. Uh, I recently got married. I was single for 18 years. God told me back in 2009 that I would marry again. And I said, Lord, I have a dog, a dog in the remote. I'm pretty good. <laughs> and I said, if, if you want me to marry again, you're going to have to bring him. I'm not going to look for him. And I, I actually met my husband um, on a deserted beach in Aruba. He's a French-Canadian, and so that just added another residence to my Colorado residence, my home Michigan residence. Now I have a uh, Quebec residence as well, so we're still trying to figure that all out and borders and all that, but uh, uh, God, uh, God tells you something. Sometimes you need to wait, wait on his timing. Uh, I've been blessed. Uh, I have an amazing daughter. Uh, she Graduated medical school last year. Watching her go through that was, was quite a process. And uh, uh, she's now uh, doing a five-year residency um, in New York. So, you know, I don't, uh, like Pastor Walt said, I don't have a typical ministry background. Um, I served in the United States Air Force for 30 years. I retired in 2015. Um, yeah. <laughs> couple more slides. <laughs> there we go. So you can see here, this was I was a base commander in the United Arab Emirates um, and uh, um, also 
was the base commander at Trever and then came to be the vice wing commander here. Um, and then I uh, also spent some time in Afghanistan. But I want to talk a little bit about my time here in St. Angelo. This place had some very significant impacts on my ministry. So I came here, like I said, to be the vice wing commander, but the Lord started moving in me. You know, I, I actually got here in, in March of 2007. I'm spending the summer, and they were starting Bible school. And they were also starting a Joel Osteen course. And so I was like, you know what? Why do I need to go to Bible school? You know, at that point, I had three master's degrees, uh, bachelor's degrees. And so I go out to the park. You know, I used to have lunches. I picked up a lunch. I went to this park, and, um, and I did a pro and con list, right? Because that's the reasonable thing to do. And it just did not make sense on paper for me to get a theology degree. So I'm doing a pro and a con, I crossed out theology degree, I circled the Joy Olsteen, and, and then all of a sudden I hear, Merrily! I mean, seriously. And I look around, and I am by myself. <laughs> and I hear in my spirit, you need to get that theology degree for something I have in store for you later. So guess what I did? <laughs> I got the degree. <laughs> And I have tried never to get yelled at by God again because it's really scary. So try to listen for that still small voice and don't wait for him to yell. So the next significant thing is I'm, I'm in Bible school and, and one day Pastor Walt comes up to me and he goes, you know, I want to start Sunday school class. We were doing three services and you need to lead it. And I tried to explain to Pastor Walt that I was super busy. I mean, I was the vice wing commander. Like I had time for that. But guess what? Was there like any option when it comes to Pastor Walt? No. So next thing I know, I'm, I'm teaching, uh, leading some John Bevere studies. I ended up doing two of those. And you know, when I left here, the Lord put upon me a very strong teaching anointing. And I think Pastor Walt saw that in me and um, started me on the path for that. And then I had some tragedy as well. Pancreatic cancer hit my family. My mom had come here for the summer. We were out boating on Lake Nasworthy. She went back to Michigan, and she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Well, I had just finished Kenneth Hagin's healing course, so I thought I was going to go there and heal her, but it didn't happen. She passed away. And I was blessed that I had people here in this church that helped me through that. But that wasn't the end of my pancreatic cancer story. Six months later, I'm getting ready for a small medical procedure, and they discover a golf ball sized tumor on my pancreas. So defining moments of your life when the surgeon says to you merely we're going to do a very complicated Whipple surgery and if you survive you could live two more years. So defining my life moments honestly my first thoughts were woohoo I'm out of here I'm gonna go dance on the streets of gold with Jesus I'm done with the, with the trials and the struggles of life that was honestly my first reaction. But, you know, Pastor Walt had taught about healing, and he gathered some church leaders together, and I remember that circle where you guys prayed for me. And I felt this, the Lord say to me, you're not done. You're not done. And so I'm blessed to stand here after surviving a Whipple surgery, pancreatic cancer, to have no reoccurrence of that and stand here today. And so I thank you, St. Angelo. <laughs> You guys really got me through that. So I was blessed to uh, continue to serve in the Air Force for six more years after that. 
Um, I went up to uh, headquarters AETC uh, to work for General uh, Lorenz as his uh, director of staff. And then from there, I went to Afghanistan. You know why? Because I could. Because if the enemy wasn't going to take me out with pancreatic cancer, he certainly wasn't going to injure me in Afghanistan, even though uh, my building tended to get bombed often, but the, I was always protected. Uh, I would go out on patrols, uh, and the next day there would be attacks there, so the Lord was protecting me. And then the Lord sent me to Colorado for my last assignment. And you know, the Lord kind of used three things in those years to guide me, because after I got the theology degree, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to get out of the military and serve you full-time, and the Lord said, nope, not yet, not your time. And it was those three additional assignments that I worked on that really taught me more about leadership, taught me more about perseverance to help me start into the ministry. So the three things that the Lord used for me, and he'll guide you as well, of course, is word. You know, his word should be our source. Um, second, we need to remember wherever we go and whatever we do, we need to be the light for him. He calls us to be the light. Even in difficult situations, you know, the longer I was in the military, the harder it became to be about my faith. As I got higher up in rank and positions, I couldn't talk so much about it. But I tried to let my life as a Christian shine through. And in the, some of the countries that I work in today, I'm going to talk about later, sometimes that's all I have is the light of Jesus. So realize he's going to give you that light. And third is to listen and let the Holy Spirit guide our steps because he is with you as well. Another thing you need to do is go when the Lord calls you to go. You know, I, I started doing mission trips, actually before I came here in 2004. You can see some of the places that I've done ministry. I've done a trip with Global Ventures to the Philippines. I went there on their first trip to the Philippines. It was a great experience. Um, I've been to Singapore and Vietnam six times, so I tend to travel a lot. Um, I think I'm well over 100 countries now. Um, and then, the, you know, trying to figure out what the Lord had called for me, um, he basically called me to stand up my own organization so that I would have the flexibility to go where and when that he calls me to go. So I stood up a nonprofit. Um, it's actually called Marilyn Madero Ministries or M3 International because there are some places I go I can't say Marilyn Madero Ministries. I actually have two business cards. <laughs> I have one that just says M3 International, and I have some that says Marilyn Madero Ministries. Um, and, you know, I'm blessed more than a lot of missionaries because having served 30 years, I can live off my retirement. So every penny that goes into the ministry, I can send back out. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some of the places that I've been able to go and serve because of that. So I do do some work here in the U.S., uh, do some, a lot of preaching in Michigan and Colorado. I'm very happy to add Texas to, uh, to the list now. Um, I also serve on a board of directors for a, a very large uh, nonprofit organization that helps uh, uh, provides women's health care and homeless women and children. So kind of keeps me grounded in the U.S. But honestly, most of my work is done overseas in Southeast Asia. Um, I preach at some Bible schools there, a lot of churches in Singapore and Malaysia. And uh, I have a great partnership right now with an organization called Resource Exchange International. They are secretly under another organization. Um, but we go into countries where it's difficult for Christian organizations to go. 
So when I go to Vietnam, I go in under a business visa as a guest of Hanoi University, and we teach secular classes there. But you know what? I get to share my faith. And so I'm going into a country where women are still not allowed to go to engineering universities. Um, they are not empowered, so I can go there as a woman leader and empower a lot of women and men. I can share my faith. I can talk about Christian values and what led me, you know, how my Christian values led me to be the leader that I am today. So we're having some great impact there in Vietnam. And I just added Canada. So um, actually uh, very blessed that there's one English-speaking church in Quebec that's Pentecostal, and uh, I'm going to be preaching there in June. So um, if you don't know, Quebec is all about French, so I'm trying to learn French. Thankfully, my husband <laughs> speaks really good French and English, so, but uh, it's a, a little bit of a different world. So again, talking about some of the places I've been able to go, I, I had a friend start a home church in Berlin, and I was able to go there and minister and so imagine this picture. I couldn't get the whole room, but on this sofa over here was a man from Iraq sitting next to a man from Iran. Those two men in the picture there, one's from Pakistan and one's from Afghanistan. And so to be able to sow into the lives of these refugees, they're so open, those that come into Europe right now for the gospel, that it, that's amazing. And then also, if you remember, in 2019, several Christian churches were bombed in Sri Lanka. And uh, we had some contacts there. I partnered up with a couple other women. And we went there for the sole purpose to, to bless Christian pastors. They were defeated. They were hurting. They were struggling to overcome the bombings and, and what they had to endure, the loss of life, which was significant. And so we got to go there for a weekend and just bless them. We brought them in, we provided all their expenses, and we just sewed into their lives and encouraged them. So that was, that was awesome. Um, I also got to go inland and do some leadership training as well. And then I took my husband on his first mission trip uh, with Hand of Hope. Uh, so we led ministry for a medical and dental team as well in Ecuador. So what happened during COVID when I couldn't travel? <laughs> So did a lot of Zoom teaching, did some Bible studies, but I basically uh, wrote the book that the Lord had given me a couple years before. So don't blame me for COVID, but as soon as COVID hit, the Lord said, aha, now you have no choice but to sit down and write the book. So it's really the Lord's book for his church. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, so you'll see on the next slide, I have a really busy uh, year coming ahead, back to Michigan, uh, back to Quebec. Um, I collaborated on another book with several women leaders. It's going to get published uh, sometime next month. So keep an eye on my webpage and, um, if you are interested in that. A uh, big opportunity coming my way is to teach in Pakistan. There are certain parts of Pakistan right now that are very open to the gospel. And so I'm very excited to be partnering. I'm going to be doing some online video teaching in June and hope to uh, head over to Pakistan. They're in the process of translating my book right now into Urdu, and so I hope to get to Pakistan early next year. Uh, start back on my overseas travel, Singapore, Vietnam, Philippines, uh, later this year. So above all, I appreciate your prayers, please, uh, uh, for the ministry. So I want to talk a little bit about consequences. You know, um, 
what I was seeing in the church was people not realizing that there are consequences for our actions. And again, this is the Lord's book. And, um, you know, there's good consequences and there's bad consequences. And I kind of started thinking in my youth when I used to play truth or dare, right? Anybody out there play truth or dare growing up? For me, I always chose dare, okay? Kind of led to my extreme sports lifestyle. I started jumping out of airplanes and doing all sorts of crazy stuff because I didn't want to face the truth. I didn't want to have to tell the truth. I didn't want to have to face those things in my life. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard to face the truths that we know are out there. But Jesus shows us God's truth as he is the truth that we need. He defines the truth. And it's he uses the Holy Spirit to speak truth into our lives. And the Holy Spirit kind of talks to us about the truth of God's consequences. Because you know what? Our Father loves us. And he seeks to have a relationship with us. But what happens? We sin, right? That separates us from our Father God. And you know what? There are consequences that go with that. But there are also good consequences that we, when we are faithful and obedient, blessings and rewards will follow. And it's amazing when I really started studying the Bible how much of those stories are written there for us in the Bible that follow that same pattern. So what is sin? Well, it's an offense. It's a transgression, a faulty state which we are exchanged from God, right? Separates us. The Bible tells us in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what do we do to overcome sin? Well, his word, right? The word says if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confessing is the key, getting right with God. You know, I love what it says in Hebrews when it says, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. When we confess the sins, he's going to forget them. I think oftentimes we remind God more of our sins, <laughs> right? We tend to hold on to that instead of letting them go. But the good news is when we confess them, God's not going to remember them anymore. But is that all we need to do? Not really. There's another step we need to look at. We need to repent. I think most of us know John preached repentance, right? But did you know that those were the first words that Jesus said in his ministry? The first words Jesus said was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What does repentance mean? It means to turn away from sin, to dedicate oneself, to change our lives, change the things that are causing us to sin. If you are trapped in that repetition of sin, what's causing it? Maybe it's time to take a step away from that. You know, oftentimes when I work with youth, they tend to get right on this edge. You know, sin's here, and they want to balance here on the edge. That's a little dangerous. Just recommend let's take a couple steps back right <laughs> stay away from the sin you know and i'm here to tell you the bible is kind of clear about consequences the bible talks about consequences in jeremiah it says but i will punish you in accordance with the appropriate consequences of your decisions and your actions so there are a couple of verses that talk about the consequences 
from sin. You know, when you study the Bible, there are many Bible heroes who sinned, right? Moses, David, surprising. They all were forgiven, right? God always forgives when we ask, but that doesn't mean that there weren't consequences. And I talk about some of those stories. You know, I'm, I'm facing consequences in my life from sins I committed in my youth. And I wish somebody had stood up on stage and told me that, yep, God loves me. God's going to forgive me. But I need to be wise about the sins because those will lead to consequences. And what I'm finding is the more mature I am in my walk, the more I am held accountable for those sins that I commit and the consequences that follow. So the good news is our blessings as well. It's not all heavy. The Bible says, if you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Colossians say, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as in working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, your reward, an inheritance, for it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. So my book kind of takes you through 10 different stories, and it kind of shows you how consequences are laid out in the Bible, covers a lot of scriptures. And you know, I'm very blessed. My daughter is kind of my number one editor, and she's a millennial, so it's like, Mom, you're talking too much Christianese. So she made me take all that out. And then she says, Mom, you have all this great Bible stuff. You're a Bible scholar. How does it relate to me? What do I care about that? How can I apply that to my life? So that got added at the end of every chapter. And then in one of the chapters, I wrote kind of a vulnerable story. And she said, you need to put one of those in every chapter. And so that wasn't easy either. But uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about me, <laughs> Uh, because guess what? I've made mistakes. And I'm living with the consequences of that. But I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how to endure some of the things as well. So let's talk about one of, one of my favorite chapters um, in, the, in the book about Jonah. So anybody here ever felt like you were inside a whale? Dark, smelly, stinky place. You sinned. You got yourself into a bad situation. And you were stuck inside a whale. So let's review how that happened to one of our favorite Bible characters. You know, Jonah was a prophet from the northern kingdom, and which was amazing, considering the northern kingdom never had a righteous king. And so here was a prophet of the Lord, and he knew the Lord, and he knew the Lord's voice. So if you ever worry that there's not a remnant, there is. The Lord's always rising people up. So God told Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh, even though they were great enemies of Israel. And he told Jonah to warn them of the upcoming judgment. So Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And this was really about 100 years before Assyria came over and, and took over Israel. But what God was asking Jonah was like the Lord asking you, hey, go over to Afghanistan, get with the Taliban, and tell them what they're doing is wrong, you know, and that they need to change their ways. Anybody here willing to do that? I don't think I'm even willing to do that. 
you know, and, and God was asking him to go 700 miles to the northeast. That's a long way to travel in those days. So what did Jonah do? He ran the opposite direction, okay? <laughs> he went <laughs> southwest to the coast, tried to get on a ship to go another 3,000 miles away to the coast of Spain. So what was his son? He heard from God, but he ran from God. And honestly, he hated his enemies. It's easy for us to do. He knew that God was merciful. And he did not want to be a part of God granting mercy to his enemies. How many of us feel that way? If we are faithful to God, we need to do everything he asks of us, not just the things that we want to do, not just the things that are fun, not just the things that are easy. Sometimes he's going to ask us to do some tough stuff. And sometimes I think the Lord asks us to do things just to check to see if we're listening. Are we willing to be obedient? You know, there's times the Lord's asked me to get up and go somewhere in the middle of the night. And I go. Sometimes nothing happens, sometimes it does. But sometimes he wants to just see, are we being faithful and obedient to us? So how far will you go? How far will you go to show God's love? Will you go to your neighbors? What about your enemies? Let's talk something harder. What about your neighbors <laughs> and your family? <laughs> Those are some of the toughest places to witness for Christ. So what were the consequences for Jonah? Well, of course, we all know the massive storm came up on the ship, and Jonah is thrown overboard at his request. So I did a little study. It's like, why would Jonah ask? Why didn't he just jump? Right? If he knew he was causing the storm. Well, you know, Jewish law in those days said a suicide was forbidden. So Jonah couldn't just jump over and, and do what he thought was committing suicide. So he had the... Uh, uh, the people on the ship throw him overboard. And of course, Jonah is swallowed by a huge whale for three days. Ick, right? Whether he was awake or asleep, I can't imagine a, a worse place to be for three days. But you know what Jonah did on the third day? He started praising the Lord. He realized that he was not operating within the will of God. And he started praising the Lord. And when he started praising the Lord, guess what happened? The fish spit him out. And did the fish spit him out in the middle of the ocean? No, he spit him out on dry land. I mean, what kind of miracle was that? So pretty amazing. So how does that relate to me today? When we know God and we sense he's telling us to do something, we need to do it. It was like me being yelled at at the park. It wasn't really pleasant, but I was obedient. And that's one of the reasons I'm standing here today. So we can't run from God. He always knows where we're at, and he, he always finds us. But let's continue on with the rest of the story. I think a lot of us know the Jonah and the whale story, but let's continue on about what happened. So again, God commanded Jonah, come on, get up, go to Nineveh. So Nineveh was a huge city. It took him three days to cross the city to proclaim the word of the Lord. And I wonder, what made them so receptive? Did they hear about the whale? You know, we don't know about that in the Bible. Did the whale spit them up somewhere near Nineveh and it spread? But I think God gave Jonah the words to change the heart of the people. Right? Doesn't God do that when he asks us to do something? He gives us what we need to accomplish what he asks us to do. So what happened? 
The people of Nineveh believed God's message, all of them. And even the king ordered a fast and a time of prayer and repentance. So rem remember when God tells you to do something, he's going to give you the tools to do it. You just need to step out in faith and obey and to trust that he's going to provide. What were the consequences? Well, when God saw what they had done and how all the people of Nineveh changed their evil ways, he did not carry out the destruction that he had planned. The entire city returned to God. So how does this relate to us? I want you to think for a minute about the people who led you to Christ. Do you have the patience, the courage, the tenacities to lead other people? I know the man that led me to Christ, it took him like six months. <laughs> and he was on me, on me, on me. And I've tried to remember what all he did to get me to cross over. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to go the extra mile? To be brave, to step out, to talk to my neighbors, to talk to that hardened family member, to talk to my enemies about Christ. I've had some interesting time with some of my enemies who later turned into friends. So true repentance can turn destruction from life. Let me just talk about one more chapter, which I think is important. It's how do I endure my consequences? I know some of you are thinking, wow, is that a consequence from my past? How do I endure that? Why am I still going through that? Well, I don't think anybody endured more consequences than the Apostle Paul. You know, most of us know the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a, the main missionary to the Gentiles. But sometimes we fail to remember what an enemy he was to Jesus and his people. So the word says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed, agreed completely to the killing of Stephen. And Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he was pretty, pretty aggressive against tracking down Christians and throwing them in jail, and even worse. And what happened? Most of us know Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he surrendered his life to Christ. And the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Saul is my chosen in instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. And then he goes on to say in Acts, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So did Paul suffer consequences for what he did to the body? I think so. I mean, look at that list, right? These are Paul's own words about what he suffered. Flogged, lashed, stoned, shipwrecked, on the run, in danger, in danger, in danger, went without food, sleep, clothes, all the while being concerned about the churches and the people that he mentored along the way. And I think that sounds like some consequences. But what I appreciate about Paul is after that, he writes about how the Lord guided him through those consequences. Paul writes, But the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. 
I mean, think about it. Paul wrote his greatest letters while he was in prison. He didn't write them while he was ministering. He wrote them in, pris in prison. We all can learn and grow through our consequences. We never have to go through them alone. Because good things can happen during trials. You know, three different authors in the New Testament wrote about the benefits of the trials that we go through and the godly qualities they produce in us. Paul wrote in Romans that we know that these trials develop pers perseverance, develop endurance, and that all leads to strength and character. James wrote that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and Peter told us that trials will show that your faith is genuine. So how does this relate to me today? The way I look at it is every negative consequence is a trial that we must endure. But not every trial is a consequence. We learn and grow from these trials. They develop characters in us. James tells us to take joy in them. Sometimes that's hard to take joy. I have a little card on my table that says, Today I choose joy. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, and you can claim it. And you can claim it until you feel it, like all those fruits of the Spirit. You know, normally I'm up here, I'm pretty go-go, I'm energetic, but, you know, I have days where I'm down here. And those are the days I claim joy because it's guaranteed to me as a believer. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I can claim joy. I can claim peace. I can claim love. I can claim patience. Speak it until you feel it claim that joy. So trials can be tough. So what is the truth about the consequences? That these consequences and trials will produce godly characters in all of us. So let me wrap up by asking you, are you on the run from God today? Are there things in your life that you need to turn around? Do you need true repentance in your heart? Are you willing to embrace your enemies, forgive them, go to them? Are you struggling with trials alone and not letting the Lord guide you and turn those trials into strengths? I want you to take a minute. I want you to bow your head. And I want you to just listen. The Holy Spirit's got a word for you this morning. One of those stories, if not all of them, resonated with you today. So be open to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So take a minute. Some of you here today really need to put your trust in Jesus. 
you are facing some very difficult situations and the Lord is saying here I am knock at my door trust in me trust in the path that I have for you I am with you through what you are enduring today so just a reminder you can't run for God he's here he sees you he is with you and remember that true repentance can turn destruction from life not only in your life but those that are heading down the road of destruction God is calling you to be that person to turn their ways to turn their steps to bring them back into the family and embrace embrace the trials that are coming your way and be excited about what they're going to develop in you and bring you closer to him. So Pastor Walt, if you're interested in my book, they're out in the lobby. If you want to sign up, I send out a newsletter, keep track of my ministry, keep my ministry in prayer. I really would appreciate it. Thank you, Mary Lee. Let's, let's just pray over her just for a moment because she's got, she's uh, reaching out beyond where we would go personally and yet as an extension of even our church we just want to bless her and father we thank you god for just all that you're at work doing and and through uh, m3 through her ministry and your ministry ultimately and god we just thank you for the work that is taking place and bringing people to to know you and father we thank you for the impact father of nations Lord, that will continue to take place, that seeds that are sown will come up and bear much fruit in all these nations. And Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.